Hello and welcome to the Local Government Chronicle Investment Series podcast. This episode was recorded at the LGC Investment and Pension Summit 2022, which was held at New Dock Hall in Leeds between Wednesday the 7th and Friday the 9th of September. The event saw over 150 attendees gather to discuss delivering pensions in a high inflationary, unstable and challenging environment. This podcast features LGC Deputy Editor Martin George talking to the Chief Executive Officer at London Civ and a speaker at the event, Mike O'Donnell. Read more of Local Government Chronicle's LGPS coverage at lgcplus.com forward slash investment. Okay, hello and welcome to the latest in the um, LGC Investment Podcast series. My name's Martin George. I'm the Deputy Editor of the Local Government Chronicle and I'm recording this podcast at the LGC Investment and Pension Summit in Leeds. Now, I'm thrilled to be joined today by uh, Mike O'Donnell. Mike is the Chief Executive of the London Civ, which pools the assets for the 32 London LGPS funds. Mike, very welcome. It's good to have you here today. Thank you, Martin. Good to be here. Now, uh, for people who, who don't know Mike, um, a quick bit of background. You've been Chief Executive of the London Civ since March 2019, and you'll be stepping down from the role in the next few months. But you do have a, a very long and wide experience of um, local government, not just LGPS. Um, highlights include Director of Finance at Camden, Interim Chief Finance Officer at Birmingham City Council, and I believe Finance Director at Swindon Borough Council as well. So a huge depth you're bringing to the discussion today. Now, of course, I'd love to talk about pooling. And should we start off by talking about the London Civ? Because obviously uh, the Civ has 32 LGPS funds. That's the, the most funds that any pool has. Um, how do you find that? Is that is that a is that a interesting challenge for you or interesting opportunity? It's it's both, hopefully. So certainly having thirty two clients and they're the thirty one London Borough funds plus the City of London ma- makes it challenging that they are generally smaller funds. Uh, pooling is challenging anyway, but doing that across thirty two, I think, I think is more challenging than than doing a eight or twelve or the the next um, nearest number in terms of pools uh, numbers of clients. Uh, I mean, the interesting thing I think is that London CIV was originally set up on a voluntary basis, uh, and I was on the other side of the fence at that time as a London Borough Finance Director and uh, uh, London Local Government and London Finance Directors in particular recognised the benefits of collaboration, uh, set up London CIV in advance of the mandatory pooling requirements that came from government, but it has continued to develop in, in the context of that guidance. Now, I, I, you may have seen a, a piece I published. Actually, you contributed to an article in um, the most recent LGC investment section, looking at different rates of progress in different mm. pools in terms of uh, what proportion of assets different funds have transitioned. Mm. Um, a huge variation across the LGPS, across pools. And I mean, London was one of the pools where there's a lot of variation. Mm. Um, I think, was it Bromley, the only fund in England and Wales that hasn't transitioned anything. But you had some funds that have transitioned like up to 89% or so of assets. Mm. Um, again, is, is that something that makes your job harder, makes it harder for pooling to achieve 
the benefits that it was originally set up to, to achieve? I mean, clearly, we want to make progress with all clients. Uh, I mean, our pooling ratio in terms of percentage of assets, total assets that are pooled, has has increased to fifty seven percent. So we we put on an extra ten percent over the last two years. So it's definitely a positive direction of travel. Some of the other pools are are further along in terms of pooling, and there are some quite different models mm. in operation. So that makes a difference, I think. And yes, there is, there is variation within the London CIV pool as well. We have some. Uh, funds, as you say, who are 80% plus pooled. We have one fund, uh, that, um, ha- has, has no investments through London CIV and a few other funds actually that, that are still quite low, quite, quite early in their transition. So, so my job, the, the team's job is to continue to work with all of those clients, uh, make sure we've got the right products in place at the right time to continue with that that progress i i have before my days of joining london civ always been a big advocate of collaboration across london boroughs and of the benefits of scale that come from pooling so i continue to believe that and um that's the journey we've been trying to progress really yeah i mean don't to give us a sort of a brief run through i guess of the the greatest hits of the london civ i mean on its journey so far what's it achieved so far what are the sort of the, the, the key milestones you'd want to, to pick out so uh, i mean i just just go back first to when i joined and i'm not linking this necessarily to me personally lots of people have been involved but the challenges that we had then so this is back in 2018 2019 is we still had a pretty small team we have seen a lot of turnover a lot of vacancies in key roles and so interim chief exec vacant cio role uh, so building and establishing the team over the last three or four years has been a really important thing the other things that in a sense were said to me early in my time were a we weren't very good at launching funds we we hadn't launched a fund on time for some time we now launch funds on time and we've added four or five funds over the last couple of years that have all been launched on time and finally the issue of uh frankly in 2018 2019 being well behind the curve on responsible investment and climate change and again we've addressed that very clearly i think now have a a very strong experienced team doing that are launching products that are very climate aware so we've launched a renewable infrastructure fund uh paris aligned version of our global alpha growth fund and a passive paris aligned fund as well so we've very much i think responded to those concerns from clients concerns that that i agreed with so it's important that we have responded to those and i think i think the other issue and the reason i was appointed frankly is that the relationship uh between london civ and its clients what uh, was at a bit of a low point in 2019 uh, so i'm obviously somebody who who knew all of the mm. uh, key clients hopefully was you know trusted and respected by them uh, knew most of them, could have challenging conversations with them when necessary. So that I think that has improved the relationship a lot. We had our third annual strategy and responsible investment conference uh, a few days ago. And I, I think it's fair to say that the mood was very positive. We had a very good conference, lots of interesting speakers. But the, the mood music, I think, is the key thing I would highlight as, as having improved a lot. Okay, no, that, that, that sounds great. Um, maybe to, to look at the broader horizons here and pooling across England and Wales. Um, I think it's seven years since George Osborne first 
announced this sort of flagship government policy for the local government pension scheme. Um, how far do you think it's got? How much progress do you think has been made? So I think a lot of progress has been made. If you if you look at the uh, you know some, some of the areas I've already touched on, really the progress on establishing funds, progress on responsible investment, the pooling levels. Uh, I think that's good progress uh, for, from a standing start in 2015. I think that is. Uh, you know, good progress in an era where it, it is always difficult to build that collaborative approach. So I'm, I'm definitely glass half full on these things, but I'm also, uh, uh, you know, not known for being the most patient of people. So I think <laughs> yeah. um, I've also said that I think it needs to go further and faster and that we need to make more progress. Obviously, we've been hampered by the absence of, of revised guidance from government that's been held up for, you know, all sorts of understandable reasons. We've now been, been waiting for two years plus, a bit like waiting for Godot, really. So, uh, yes. so I'm hoping, uh, uh, that that's now coming out. Joe Donnelly said at the conference, uh, yesterday that still expecting that before Christmas, which, which is great. So, you know, clear your, Boxing Day for back, for you know reading the guidance. I think oh, would wonderful. be my advice. Um, better than what's on the TV, probably. <laughs> uh, so that's good. And almost regardless of what the guidance says, I think just having the guidance and you know getting past this period where we've just been waiting slightly in limbo, I think finalising that would be great. I would like it to go further in terms of enabling more pooling and 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 you know going further and faster as i said but i also think though that this actually guidance is 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 what we operate within but it's also important for local government itself to grip this agenda and and think about what it wants to achieve why are we doing this and i think there are still very good reasons for further pooling I mean, I think your comments there about further and faster, I get the impression that ministers are of the same view mm -hmm. and they want faster and deeper pooling to achieve the aims that, that they want to achieve. Um, how should the government go about this? I, I mean, sometimes people say, well, will there be more mandation here? Will there be requirements on funds to pool mm. a proportion of their assets all but the tiny bit of their assets. I mean, what what should what are the levers the government should be putting in place if they really do want to um, get the project moving at a mm. faster pace? Mm. So, uh, I mean, firstly, to be clear, I, I'm not expecting that to happen, even though I might like it to happen. So, I think there are essentially two 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 options, linked options, really. One is some greater mandation on pooling and. You know, conversations I've had in the past that I know the, the option of looking at a, a, a percentage requirement, uh, was on the table. I, I suspect that isn't now, but the figure of, you know, 75% in three years had been talked about. And obviously that would address the issue you raised earlier, Martin, about the, the variation, Indeed. both, you know, within pools and across pools. So I think that's one way of doing it. And, uh, you know, I, I would be an advocate of that. Um, the, the, the other issue I think which sort of gets in the way here is this whole issue about strategic asset allocation and the guidance says quite rightly that strategic asset allocation is an issue for individual funds and, and I think I think that's as it, as it should be but I, th I think what we need is for that 
asset allocation to to really be strategic and to be at a higher level um and that what what that would enable us and our clients to do is when we're going out and launching a mandate we know you know two three years ahead where the strategic asset allocation decision was heading uh and we could then go to the market with a a much bigger ticket in terms of a potential investment and that's what delivers for example fee savings mm. and, and you know we would then need a, a very clear commitment and, and an ability to get on with it and deliver that this is where the, uh, the different models in the pools uh come in because i mean if i talk about lpp for a minute i was on the board of lpfa when that was established that has a very delegated model the, the asset allocation uh, agreed by lpfa uh, is, is pretty high level and an lpp has a has a significant degree of room for maneuvering delivering and that's why they're at a hundred percent pooled whereas for us we quite often have conversations with with our 32 clients about launching uh, uh let, let's take the example of the renewable infrastructure mandate where often clients had agreed they wanted an allocation to that but they were in different places in terms of nature of the allocation when they were going to take the decision and the size of the allocation now in the end we ended up with 10 clients in that fund which is great mm. but that's 10 out of 32 and given where we're heading in terms of net zero etc uh, my view is that should be higher uh, but at the end of the day that's a decision for the clients I mean, it's interesting, some of the debate at this conference, you got the, the hint of a bit of tension between funds and pools mm. about whether the pools should have more um, power or, or influence over things that at the moment funds make decisions mm. on or, or a stronger guiding hand, perhaps, if mm. not you know, the formal legal responsibility. I mean, is that a, an issue where you think pools do need more power stronger influence um I'm, I'm not sure it's about more power necessarily so if i go back to the asset allocation issue it's it's just making sure that's happening at the right level so mm. i so i i don't for example see the need for uh that asset allocation decision to to be moved from uh the fund to the pool but it needs to be happening in the right way with collaboration between funds and it needs to be happening at a strategic level rather it you know drifting into tactical asset allocation almost getting to the point where uh, you end up with funds wanting different managers because they have a, a different approach to something like renewable infrastructure uh, i mean i think the other areas where again it's not about power but where i think the pools can do more is is very much on the reporting tcfd reporting particularly we just had the consultation paper and i that is just horribly complicated very expensive to do uh, at, certainly at an individual fund level and not cheap if you uh, pay our lovely friends in the consultancy firms to do it either so i think there is an obvious argument for uh, the pools to do that and get some critical mass in doing that and that's one of the things we've done where we're, we, we've already done a TCFD, just onto our second TCFD report in terms of assets managed to our own funds. But we're also offering uh, our clients the ability for us to do 
full TCFD reporting on their assets off pool as well so we can get them to the 100%. So I think that's, you know, it's, again, it's back to the benefits of scale and collaboration, mm. trying to do that 32 times over in London or in, indeed, you know, 86 times over in the UK is, is just a, not a very sensible or efficient way for the, for you to do it, I think. Yeah. I mean, and of course, just to clarify, um, TCFD, Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, just for people who who are sort of yeah. coming to this this fairly new. Um, you mentioned the consultation uh, the government published on that, which, again, it's another one that we've been waiting for. I think it had probably been ready 12 months ago, really. Put that to one side. Um, that acknowledges the uh, resource implications on pools for this reporting requirement on different funds with you know different strategies and goals and it suggests that you know one way of reducing this would be for the funds within a pool to align their targets or goals on on climate more mm. is that is that a bit of wishful thinking or or could you see that happening i think well hopefully it can become more aligned but i think the idea that uh, you know all 32 of our clients for example would have the same net zero target it would certainly make my life easier but yes. i just don't think it's going to happen really i mean i mean you know for good reasons this is uh, local government and i'm a uh, you know a supporter of localism so if they take a different view that's fine and that's why we've set a uh, a target uh, we've set net zero 2040 target which some will see as ambitious uh some will see as not ambitious enough but that's because we're, we're having to average out in a sense and try and deliver for all of our clients and we'll have a range of funds that they can pick from which hopefully means if they're looking at 2050 they can they they, they can do 2050 uh there was some debate earlier in the conference about 2030 targets mm. i do agree that's pretty ambitious really so I'm, I'm not sure how deliverable that will be but on one level i'm not sure the date matters that much uh, i think what all, all are doing in setting those targets is just signaling the importance and the urgency of the issue so just you know cracking on with some urgency is the key thing if we you know if we get net zero in 2045 uh, that's fine because we, you know, we we we've we've set out that ambition, uh, but you know we've got to make real progress over the next ten years on this. All of us have got to make real progress on this over the next ten years. Now it's funny listening to um, George Graham from the South Yorkshire Pension Authority, which mm. has a, a twenty thirty yeah. target, perhaps against officer advice. Um, I think he made that point though that if you set an early target, it injects that sense of urgency, yeah. doesn't it? And and things will happen. Yeah, it, it forces your hand to really do this. So I think that, that's an interesting one. Um, what about, I mean, I mean the other um, big uh, overarching sort of government priority that, that seems to be put on the LGPS a bit is levelling up. Um, and we know the white paper came out earlier this year. It was talking about a, a target of funds uh, or trying to get up to 5% of their assets invested. in. I think it was local projects was the terminology mm. they used local meaning within the UK, I think, in in, yeah. in this context. Um, we think of levelling up and, and ministers think of the, the red wall, they think of the, the north of England. Does this affect London Civ? I, I think it does, but I'm still very unclear about what it all means, really. And uh, again, in some of the sessions earlier in the conference, we were talking about levelling up, but phrases leveling up local investment infrastructure were sort of being used interchangeably really and i i think there is a 
uh, you know, there'll be a need for greater clarity on that. I would have to make the point that our, there are parts of London certainly that need leveling up. So I think it's, um, it's certainly relevant for, for London LGPS funds and for London CIV. Uh, I, I think the fact that the government has defined local as UK hasn't really set any clear additionality requirements does i'm afraid make the the white paper a bit vacuous really so i'm not i'm not sure that's going to change very much at all but the the real conversation about leveling up local investment happening locally i think is really important i hear uh colleagues from uh pools outside london saying well we're going to invest locally we're not going to invest in london um and i sort of get that but i think practically that means that london lgps funds are going to invest in london they're not they're not going to invest elsewhere so i'm not sure there's going to be much redistribution if you like but actually a, a focus on local investment that's providing Wider benefits as, uh, is, I think, a good thing to do, a thing that many of our clients have focused on. And so long as it's also delivering the financial returns and so long as it's proportionate in terms of risks, you, you know, I would never expect local investment to be a very significant percentage of the asset allocation. But I think there's a, a part for it to play. And obviously, local authorities then having a wider conversation about this because there's a, you know, a, a LGPS investment on levelling up has to be an investable proposition by definition. But there are wider investments by uh, you know, local authorities, some grant funding coming from government, uh, that, that, that don't have the return characteristics. So I think one of the challenges will be about making sure your, your different sources of capital, uh, you know, go in the right place. So LGPS funds need a return. Some of the other investments don't necessarily need a return or can, can, can take some higher risk. So I think that's, uh, as always, and my form, former, Colleagues in London Borough Finance are so well skilled at balancing different funding streams and making sure that the way you allocate that across different investment requirements, you know, maximises your benefit. Really, yeah, fantastic. Um, now, b- before we sort of end the podcast, um, obviously you're you're stepping down from the, the collective investment vehicle um, fairly soon. I'd love to just pick your brains on, um, you know, over the course of your career, how from where you've sat, you've seen local government, local government finance change, the LGPS change, and I guess what you think the future might hold. Um, I mean, are we going to look at eight pools in five years' time? Are we still going to have 86 LGPS funds? What are sort of the, the, the broad themes you see, past yeah. and future? So, so to be slightly provocative, maybe I, I hope not. I, I hope there are fewer pools and fewer funds because it, again, it comes back to that issue of, uh, collaboration. How, how quickly that will happen? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, we have good working relationships, lots of conversations with other pools, but I think there's, there's, there's more we can do in terms of a more substantial collaboration. Uh, so we have, for example, launched the London Fund in partnership with LPP. So that, that is a fund that's, uh, based on cross pool collaboration. But I think there's more of that that can be done. You see the pools often launching very similar products at you know in very similar periods so you know so we probably all have a, a renewable infrastructure fund we're working on a housing fund at the moment i expect others are as well so i think there is a bit of you know the 
a bit of responsibility on us really to make sure we're we're collaborating where we can and not not incurring unnecessary costs by doing the same thing two or three times over yeah i think the wider just you talked about local government as well as well as pensions i mean i was a finance director in in local government for a long time um and it uh, on one level it amazes me how much we had to been able to absorb in terms of savings so you know we've had round after round of savings and uh, local authorities are very good at dealing with that but i suppose the big question how long can that continue and it you know with current financial circumstances inflation etc it feels like that's going to get harder uh, rather than easier so i i think that's a big challenge for us all i think the um and the you know the finance teams are smaller as well so i think that challenge continues but i think i think we've got some very good and efficient people working in local government finance and in the lgps so i'm sort of ho- hopeful on their ability to to deal with those challenges but they are quite challenging challenges indeed well, i think you said earlier you're sort of a half a glass half full mm. um perspective so maybe that's that's your hope for the future for, for local government given the huge challenges um it faces um mike i'm really grateful to you for taking the time to talk to us i think that was a, a really interesting discussion lots for people to take away and and think about um obviously best of luck with whatever comes next after that london sieve i hope you'll still be coming to LGC investment conferences and we, we won't be losing your input and insight in the discussions we have. Thank you, Martin. I certainly want to keep a, a foot in the pensions and investment camp. So hopefully you'll you'll have me at future conferences. We definitely will. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Um, see you at the next podcast.